Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and uh, what a joy it is to preach the good news to you. May God bless your ears and heart that you have the hope and peace that we have in Jesus Christ, and that the Lord changes your view of the world, that you see things as He does with the love of His Son, Jesus. If you want to support His mission here in, at St. James through Chicago, go to stjames-lutheran.org and donate. Thank you for listening. And they were astonished at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority. In the name of Jesus, amen. This uh, past year, as I was watching the, the debates, it just dawned on me that here we are, thousands of years into civilization. With all the technological advancements, equipment, putting men on the moon, apparently to Mars, the future of the free world depended on two senior citizens, no, two men, using words, only words, to convince, to win to change the world. That's all I had. Think about this. I think it's, it's just really it's crazy. For all that we have, words are still the number one commodity. And remember this, by the way, in your life. And for those looking for a college degree, liberal arts still makes sense. You can invent all you want. You can do amazing things. If you can't communicate it, it's almost worthless. You can be and have great policies and people can like them and do well for America. If you cannot communicate it, you might not win an election. Words and how you speak and what you say and the rhetoric you use, we do it all the time. Just simple words. Nothing's changed for thousands of years. Cicero alive today would be a powerful uh, influencer in this world. Why? Because he knew how to use words even though he wouldn't know how to use an iPhone. I promise you, it's true. It's really crazy, right? If you can't communicate, because words create worlds. The devastation of the 20th century by communism and Nazism were words. Russia was toppled with words by Lenin. Hitler rose to power with words. You can change a whole person's worldview with words. In a simple way, you can break a person just using words, and you can lift them up with just words. So it shouldn't surprise us that the most powerful weapon Christ has and the church has is words. Still is. In the Old Testament, we see this lesson in Deuteronomy. Moses is told that uh, there's going to be a prophet, and he tells the Israelites this as he stood before the promised land, and he says that a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers, will be raised up by God. It is him you shall listen to, and God says, I will put my words in his mouth. 
And sure enough, we saw yesterday, last week, Jesus, after he's baptized, goes through the wilderness for 40 days. The first thing he does is not a miracle. It's not some great magic act. He doesn't make a spaceship. He speaks. And his words change reality when he says the reign of God has come. Repent and believe the good news. And today, the great Messiah, the Son of God, walks along Capernaum, we're told, and he goes into a synagogue on the Sabbath. And what does he do? He doesn't heal. He doesn't change water into wine. He teaches. He uses words to change lives. But his words are a little different than yours or mine. If there's any words that you listen to and you are inundated by words all over the place, with all, again, with all our technology, it is words that we see and read on Twitter or Facebook or me, we, and uh, Parler hopefully soon. Just words. But none of those, are, they're all nothing compared to Jesus' words. Look what he's doing. He's teaching, and as he's teaching, they were astonished at his teaching. Why were they astonished? He taught them as one who had authority, Mark says, and not as the scribes. And that's, they're not putting down the scribes. Mark isn't putting down the scribes, but Jesus was teaching as if he had authority, and this is why. Usually on the Saturday, on the Sabbath, the Israelites, Israel, Jews, would gather in the synagogue, their local synagogue. They would sing hymns. They would chant psalms. They would read some scriptures from the scroll, from Isaiah or whatever, from the Old Testament, like just like we do, very similar. And then there'd be a couple rabbis usually. So not just one sermon. No, you get to have two or three. Does that sound good? Come on, right? So they get together and they, they talk about it. But these scribes... The teachers, these rabbis, when they preached, they would, take that, they would take that text, and then they would comment on it from all other rabbis in the past. So, so-and-so from, you know, 500 years ago said this. Rabbi so-and-so from over here said this. And they would do all commentary, which is not bad at all. There's nothing wrong with quoting other great teachers. But they would never say, I'm telling you this. It would always be Rabbi so-and-so says, this is what Moses means. But Jesus, if you listen to Jesus in the New Testament, we don't recognize how radical this is. He says oftentimes when he's teaching, I say this. In the, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says this. He go, he, Jesus says, you heard it said, right? But I say, you don't do, rabbis didn't do that. That's egotistical. You're in no position to simply say, I say. You can say, Moses said. You can say, this great rabbi taught this or thought this. When you start saying, I say, that's radical. And Jesus was saying, I'm saying. So he taught with authority in that sense. And I think also he taught with authority, also excuded authority. It reminds me of uh, reading a great biography, highly recommended, Andrew Jackson. Uh, one of my favorites as president. Yeah, I said that. And he led. People listened because he just seemed to know what he was talking about. In fact, I think all of us kind of follow, you know, those sort of leaders. Like, I just, they seem very confident. 
That's, that's usually how you become a leader. It's hilarious. Which is the real joke is you kind of lie about it. As parents, we're leaders like that, right? You exude confidence, and so your kids believe you. So when your kid's like, hey, I'm scared about this tornado, you look at them and you absolutely lie to them. And you say, well, tornadoes don't come to Chicago, right? You exude confidence, even though inside you're like, oh, my gosh, we're all going to die. You ever done that as a parent? <laughs> it's important. It's, a, it's an important job as parents. I'm sorry, kids. We, no, we do not lie. We're very sure. <laughs> But you feel that when you're young, especially. Hey, mom and dad are good. I'm good. Jesus had that authority, that sense, like Jackson did. People followed him because he seemed to know what he was doing. He was confident. But finally, Jesus, he's the author. Authority. I mean, it's no surprise they thought he had authority. He's the one that wrote the Word of God. He's the one that is the Word of God, as John says. You bet you would feel that sense of he has authority. He knows what he's talking about. He is what he is talking about. And so they notice this. Is Jesus' words authoritative? If that's true, if it is authoritative, are they really authoritative in your life? Or you pick and choose what you want because your words also are good. You know what I mean? Do your words compete with Jesus' words? So Jesus goes on. He's teaching. This kind of reminds me of the 7th, 8th grade confirm, uh, uh, class at school, Bear. I'm teaching, doing my thing. And am I exuding authority while I'm teaching, Bear? Wow. Hey, good answer. All right. Good job. <laughs> and suddenly, <laughs> look what happens. Immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, a couple unclean spirits in the 7th to 8th grade class. And he just cries out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? We know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, no, Bears never said that, um, but there are strange noises that come out of 7th to 8th grade class that interrupt the class. So there's a demon in here, it's an unclean spirit, and uh, I... What he's saying here is, um, what do you have to do with us? Because the spirit knows, Satan knows, demons know, Christ has come to step on them. And then he says, we know who you are. And probably why is this sense of grabbing control. When you know someone's name, you know them. You have control over it because you know them. And that's what the demon's trying to do, if you will. But I love Jesus' response. And, well, I guess I do this. I do this in... In seventh, eighth grade as well, I suppose. Jesus has nothing to do with it. Unlike Adam and Eve who, who listened a little bit to Satan, Jesus does what? You can close your kids' ears if you want to, but Jesus basically says, shut up. You notice this? I'm sorry. Sorry, parents. You got to explain that now. He's harsh. Be still. Be quiet. And the demon stops. Jesus silences Satan with his words. And the unclean spirit convulses the man, cries out with a loud voice, comes out of him. And now they are amazed even more so. Right? What do they say? They question among themselves saying, what is this? A new teaching, because he's saying, I say this. 
and with authority, and he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Jesus is authoritative. His words are authoritative. And by the way, when I say his words, it is his words in the red, in your red-letter Bible. But all the words of God are Jesus' words from Genesis to Revelation. And they're not only true in information sense of what they speak. They are true because they are from the one who invented truth. Jesus is truth. He doesn't follow along some plan that we also follow. He is it. He is the creator. From it, all reality comes. All information, truth, science, etc., all comes from Christ. He is the author of it. But finally, Jesus' words do what they say, unlike yours. Things happen. When Jesus speaks, there is a power by the power of the Holy Spirit. When Christ speaks, his words cast out demons. His words raise those who are feeble. His words give forgiveness. His words raise the dead. Remember this. Jesus' words do things. We need them. Now, you look at this, and you see there's a demon, and I think oftentimes the question is, well, are there demons nowadays? You know what I mean? Casting out a spirit, that seems odd. Maybe back then they believed in that sort of thing because they were simple folk, which is a lie. I think I've made it clear we're no different. We have not evolved anything at all. I think, quite frankly, 2020 has demonstrated exactly that. There's been no evolution of humankind. <laughs> That's, the evidence is in. And you definitely hear about it if you go to third world countries, you talk about demons for sure. And many a good pastor or missionary comes back saying, oh yeah, it exists. But I, I think that uh, we're joking ourselves if we don't see demons in our world, in good old first, uh, in the first world. I certainly have. People under a spell, living in a reality that's ridiculous. I mean, again, the 20th, the 20th century was the pinnacle of modernization, of technology, of scientific development, etc. And we had madmen with words convincing people that other people were animals and you could kill them. And we still do that again today <laughs> in some places in America, convincing people that a child in a womb is just a bunch of cells. Words are amazing, aren't they? And the devil uses words to lie. To lie about who you are, to about what society is, to lie about, oh, that sin's not a big deal. You can keep on following that. That's okay. I mean, I've been with people that they are just living in their, their own sin and Everyone around them saying, come on, man, your passion, your following is ridiculous. It's a stupid life you're living, and they don't see it. You know what I'm talking about? Or maybe you are that person. I certainly have been that person. Satan's still speaking, and Satan's still oppressing people. And maybe also you hear him when he tells you, you're a freak. You're a sinner. 
No one could ever love you, and you better not tell anybody what you're thinking or what you've done because, man, you would be thrown out of society. The devil wants you alone. See, the devil's still speaking. Or that body's not coming out of that grave. There's no hope. Or this pandemic is the end and the world's going to end and it's all chaos. Or, my goodness, we elected that guy. Or we elected that guy and it's all falling apart. The devil is a liar with words to cause confusion and darkness and a different reality than what God has given us so we are lost and feel stuck and feel like sinners and the shame and the guilt is still on us. That's what the devil does. He's still speaking. He's still oppressing He's still robbing you of life, like that man in the synagogue. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus' words release. You are forgiven, Jesus speaks. When you come and take communion, this is the body and this is the blood for your forgiveness. You are released of those sins, all your guilt, all your shame, whatever you've done, gone by a word. Words make baptism into a powerful rebirth. Words change your whole worldview from going that this world is terrible and ugly and I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow to Jesus is risen. You are loved and it's going to be okay. We need Jesus' words and the authority of those words in our lives more than ever. And we need his words to silence that devil who lies and says we're nothing, we're just an animal, we're just a sinner. And no one could ever love us, and we're not forgiven. And there is no resurrection. Jesus says otherwise. Friends, I really encourage you to take this seriously. To be in church, that's what we do, or online, because it's cold. Although I look at these guys, they brave the cold. But okay, okay, I know there's some people out there, warm and cozy, watching the service. Still, his word is traveling through to your lives. But we need to be together in his word. That's why I'm here. That's why you have a preacher. See, that's what Christianity is. It's surrounded about his word. But I encourage you also through your daily life to give it a shot, to read a psalm a day, to get in his word a day, not just to grow in knowledge, which is important. That's why we have a school. But to grow just when you're in his word, his word does stuff to you. It opens your eyes to see life and to see hope and to see a window where there's a beautiful day that's coming and we need that. It not only shows us that, it gives us that into our heart. Get into that powerful word. And finally, when you're listening to someone speak, one of the most important things that comes, one of the poorest lessons that Cicero throws out is as to what it, whether it's a good speech, whether the rhetoric is good, is the communication skills, et cetera. But ultimately, one of those ingredients is the integrity. When you're listening to someone speak, they have to have integrity. It needs to be character so you believe them. The one who speaks to us, unlike any politician, philosopher, or other religion, this Jesus has integrity. When he says he loves you, we see him on the cross. When he says all people are forgiven, that all people are equal in their sin, and all people are loved by God, we see him dying for Pharisees and Sadducees and chief priests, Peter, Judas, you, and me, your enemies. 
So he's not just talking the talk, he does it. He puts it on the cross, and when he says, I'm going to raise you up in the last day, and it's going to be okay, and this pandemic is not the end of anything, and this economy is not the end, and it's going to be all right, we believe it. Why? Because the one speaking those words is risen from the dead. Nobody else has the integrity and the character as Jesus. There's no one else that you can trust more and listen to those words more and take serious and take to heart those words more than Jesus. May you open your ears. And this week, I challenge you. Think about the sermon. First of all, that's healthy. Come to Bible classes. Do some devotions. Open up the Bible. Let his authoritative words change you and not the other way around. And silence the devil. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.